This is a sermon from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. To learn more about New City or to hear more sermons in this series, visit newcitycincy.org. Our scripture reading this morning is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It's found on page 859 in the Bibles in your rows if you'd like to follow along as I read. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you, then, will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Michael Prevatero. I am uh, one of the pastors here and serve as a campus minister at Xavier University. Um, It is almost the end of January, which means that if you made a New Year's resolution, you're probably feeling, well, you probably, A, haven't kept it yet, or B, you're feeling temptation to break it. Um, I have been watching my calories this month, uh, mostly to lose some of the eggnog weight I accumulated over the past two months. Um, And it's really hard. Uh, Like Jesus, I am hungry often. And almost daily, I have a little nudge or whisper inside my head saying, hey, you deserve some cookies. Have some of those chips. Ice cream will make you feel better. Eat your feelings. Um, And I don't know if it's my stomach or the devil talking, uh, but on a good day, my response is, not today, Satan. Or, Or I just eat the cookies. That happens too. And that's a, that's a silly temptation, but the reality is, if you're trying to follow Jesus, you probably have experienced something like this every once in a while, and maybe about a lot more than cookies. Maybe you've heard a voice that says, hey, you don't need to be totally honest about that report for your boss. Just, just fudge a few numbers. It'll be okay. You can have another drink. It's been a long day. It'll make you feel better. Go ahead. Sleep in. You don't need to go to church this week. Maybe he's bad for you. 
So what? At least he gives you the time of day. You can go to that website. It's just videos. It's not really cheating on your wife. Or you're too busy to pray today. You can read your Bible later. Ooh, look, a new show on Netflix. I don't know if you have experienced that, but that would be the world, the flesh, and the devil talking as the, as the old church traditions form it. So welcome to Christianity, in other words. You have a target on your back, is what the Bible tells us. And we see this all over uh, the New Testament. This experience is, is so universal in the Christian life that it is all over the New Testament. If you read uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Look, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, and over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, this is normal for Christians, the Bible tells us. Uh, Anthony the Great, one of the early desert fathers, and more on them in a second, but he once said, this is the great work of a man, always to take the blame for his own sins before God and to expect temptation to his last breath. In other words, Jesus' battle uh, that we just read about is one that we must fight too. This is a part of the Christian life. And, you know, during this season of Epiphany, in this new year, we've been looking at the early chapters of Luke's gospel and meditating on the events early in Jesus' life and ministry to see what it has to say to us today. Uh, and in this morning's passage, Jesus has just left from his baptism in the Jordan River. He's full of the Holy Spirit and is led into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil, and he's there 40 days without food. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is tired, he's lonely, and the devil comes to him and says, hey, I have a few ideas for you that will make things go a little smoother. And so we are going to look at the temptation of Jesus in detail this morning, uh, how temptation uh, works with our lives, and then our hope for this concept we find in the Bible of temptation. So first, the temptation of Christ. So Jesus is, as we read, sent into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And the wilderness is significant, actually. Um, Jesus is following a pattern that is woven throughout the biblical story. We see this concept of the wilderness all over the Bible. Uh, Adam, the Son of God, was driven out of the garden and into the wilderness of the world after his sin. Israel, the people of Israel, who had been rescued from slavery in Egypt, were tempted to disobey God in the wilderness. And after turning from God, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years as punishment. So you hear that echo, 40 days, 40 years. David, King David, and Elijah the prophet, both at separate times, fled to the wilderness for safety from their enemies. And as we read last week, uh, John the Baptist himself spent time in the wilderness before proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. And there was a pattern in the early church as well of people going out into the wilderness. I mentioned Anthony the Great, um, but the desert mothers and fathers, as they're called, were men and women in the church who during the early centuries left the cities to pursue God in solitude and harsh landscape. There's this whole movement in, in the Western and Eastern church. Uh, and in the Bible, wilderness is a place of punishment, trial, also a safe haven from enemies, 
and sometimes a place of preparation, as we see this morning, a place of preparation or formation even. So here, in the wilderness, the Spirit has led Jesus. And as he is there for 40 days without food, he is reliving the story of Israel in his very own life. And the presence of the Spirit that Luke clues us into uh, shows that this is all part of God's plan. This is all part of Christ's coming. So after 40 days, Luke tells us that Satan shows up. Now, we hear the word Satan, and we think uh, a red guy with horns and hooves, right? Uh, That is a medieval representation. It's not really what the Bible tells us the devil looks like. In fact, Scripture tells us that Satan often disguises himself as an angel of good or light, not a monster. But he is a rebel angel, a fallen angel, the one who from the beginning of creation Uh, who has been trying to screw up God's plan and creation. He is the serpent. This is the same Satan as the serpent uh, in the early chapters of Genesis who persuaded Adam and Eve to turn away from God. He is called the devil, the slanderer, the accuser. He is known as the dragon who fights against the angels of God in the book of Revelation. In other words, the devil is a personal spiritual force of evil. And so... Of course, when God decides to do something to rescue his people and to rescue his creation, the devil shows up. We shouldn't be surprised that we see him in the early chapters of the gospel. And he starts pushing Jesus, and he says, Hey, Jesus, you know, at your baptism, God said you're his son. Well, if you're his son, why is he treating you like this? And so what we have recorded in Luke 4 is this conversation between Jesus and the devil. As we'll see, the only words Jesus speaks are direct quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, specifically from the section that talks about the wilderness testing of where Israel failed to be faithful. And there are echoes of the Old Testament story woven throughout these conversations. So let's dive in a little bit more into these specific temptations. There's three of them. The first is stones into bread. This temptation turns stones into bread. And this is a hearkening back to the Old Testament story where Israel was in the desert And they were afraid of not having enough food, and they doubted that God would provide for them. And what happens, if you you know the Old Testament, is that God actually provides manna in the desert for them. And Satan is tempting Jesus to do the same thing Israel did, to doubt God's provision and goodness, and to actually take things into his own hands. This is a temptation, in other words, toward comfort and pleasure, comfort and ease, the good life at any cost even if that means not trusting in God to deliver the goods. Martin Luther paraphrases uh, the devil's words like this, and we'll hear a lot from Martin Luther this morning because he has much to say about the devil. Um, But he says, he, he puts these words in the devil's mouth. He says, where now is your heavenly father who cares for you? I think he has abandoned you. What a wonderful son of God you are. How fatherly he treats you since he sends you not even a crust of bread and lets you be so poor and needy. Do you now still believe that you are his son and he is your father? This is, this is the devil's attempt to doubt God's goodness, to have Jesus doubt God's goodness. But notice, Jesus rebukes Satan by saying, this quote from Deuteronomy 8.3, man does not live by bread alone. In other words, God will provide. There's more to life than just a full stomach. Well, next, the devil takes Jesus up in the air and shows him every kingdom in the world at once. And he tells Jesus, listen, I will give you all of this and make you king. 
All the kingdoms of, your, of the world could be yours easily, in a second, in a moment. All you have to do is worship me. And this is a temptation to power and wealth. A temptation to um, power without suffering, in other words. Uh, something that many of us are tempted to, whether it's prestige or acclaim or honor or having lots of stuff and getting it by any means necessary. This is an old trick of the devils, actually. This is, Israel, too, was tempted to worship the demons, uh, the golden calf, for safety and security instead of God. And Adam and Eve were tempted to take the glory given by the serpent's ways as well. They found it empty. But again, Jesus stands firm where Adam and Israel failed. Jesus fights back with the words of Deuteronomy 6.13. He says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus knows that true wealth and power and glory comes from a life lived for and submitted to God uh, in, the, in the worship of God alone. Well, next, then, the devil tries a different tactic. So he, he tries to get Jesus to put God to the test. And again, this is um, something, this, this is an echo of this Old Testament story, because in the, old, in the wilderness, wandering, the people of Israel put God to the test multiple times. They doubted him, they grumbled against him, they actively disobeyed him. And so here the devil takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem um, and says, jump. If God really cares about you, he'll save you. See what he does. See if he really cares about you. Jump from here. And again, this is a temptation to doubt God's goodness and to see if he really is a protector, really is good for what he says he, he is. And notice the devil's trickiness. If you look at your Bibles, he, the devil knows the, the, the Bible too. Right? He's not above using it to lead us astray. He's been thwarted by Jesus' use of Scripture a couple times before, and now he says, hey, look, in Psalm 91, it says that God will watch over you with his angels and won't let you trip over a stone. So, you know, see if he's good for it. And what does Jesus do? Again, he resists the devil. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6.16 and says, No, you shall not put your, the Lord your God to the test. In other words, not today, Satan, is what he says. And just like that, Luke writes that Satan withdraws until a more opportune time. So, um... That's the gist of it, right? That's the whole of that passage. And in some ways, it's for us 21st century moderns, it's a little weird, and we'll get to that in a second. But we, we might want to ask, what does that story have to do with us? Well, um, my whole family, one of the weird things that we do together is martial arts. It's kind of this, become this, this part of our life. Uh, my wife included, which means that if I, uh, I need to be careful if I make her mad, because she kicks kind of hard. Um, I'm I'm joking. She only kicks me at the dojo. But uh, one of the big rules of fighting is to be able to anticipate your opponent's attack, right? To be prepared, to not be caught off guard, to know what's coming and to be able to dodge or counter-strike or whatever it might be, but to know that you could be hit at any moment and to know what it might be. Well, the same is true for us as God's people. I don't know if we realize this, but we're in a battle. We're in a fight. Um, maybe you feel that. Maybe it feels like that every single day, just getting out of bed, maybe coming here, it feels like a battle and a fight. Uh, maybe not. 
But we don't realize it, I think, a lot of us. We think that if we just try to follow Jesus, everything will go smoothly and we'll have our best life now and things will be great because God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. And that is true. But, as we read in, in Ephesians and in First uh, Peter, there are spiritual forces of evil that are dead set on trying to mess us up. This is not peacetime. You are not at peacetime. There is a war on. You have an enemy. And the Bible makes clear that the demons are waging war against us. So first, we have to recognize, and again, this is controversial in 2022, but the devil is real. And what's odd is that in our day and age, we're actually like one of the first civilizations in all of human history to not believe in any sort of spiritual powers, especially spiritual powers of evil. We are oddballs in the scope of human history. And that's a mistake. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, in the, in the preface to it, writes this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, humanity, can fall into about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, that's the demons, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. In other words, Lewis is saying that the demons are real and they're really glad if you think they're really scary and give them too much power or if you don't believe in them at all and they can work in secret. In other words, don't be overly afraid, but don't be too flippant about demons. There's a middle ground. Um, plus... If you believe in angels, which I think many of us do, we shouldn't have any problem believing in the demons because they are simply fallen angels. So know that these things are real, that you are in a fight. To anticipate the attacks of the enemy, they will come. Don't just stand there and let the devil slap you around. So what do we need to be about? What should you do when temptation comes? How do you resist temptation? Well, it's all here for us laid out in Luke 4. Uh, can we see a couple things that we see Jesus models this for us and gives us a plan to fight? So how do you fight? Well, first is to be a person of prayer, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? To seek God throughout the day so that you have power and resources to stand during temptation. Uh, that is hard. I, I'll admit that. Uh, one of the Desert Fathers, uh, Abba Agathon, said, I think there is no labor greater than that of prayer to God. For every time a man wants to pray, his enemies, the demons, want to prevent him. For they know that it is only turning him from prayer that they can hinder him on his journey. Prayer is warfare to the last breath. So first is to be a person of prayer. Second is to be a person filled with scripture, right? To remind yourself of and to read the scriptures regularly. Uh, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Did you notice this about Jesus? Again, I mentioned it. He is, everything he says is a quote from Deuteronomy. Jesus was so saturated with the scriptures that when temptation comes, that when the devil pokes him, he bleeds scripture. He responds with God's word. Everything he said was a direct quote. Right? He didn't argue with the devil or try to reason with him. Uh, that's a path to, to failure, many, many of the church fathers will tell us. But he fights him. With the word of God. 
Luther said, the devil fears the word of God. He can't bite it. It breaks his teeth. Uh, Another suggestion Luther had was to mock the devil, actually. Um, He says, uh, the best way to drive out the devil, if he will not yield to the text of Scripture, is to jeer and flout him, for he cannot bear scorn. In other words, tell the devil to go to hell, literally, uh, when he comes to you and comes at you. And if none of those things work, there's also another, Luther, again, I'm not sure I recommend this, but it's, it's interesting proposal, but Luther also suggested some less conventional methods. Uh, he said, I am of a different mind ten times in the course of the day, but I resist the devil, and often it is with a fart that I chase him away. When he tempts me with silly sins, I say, devil, yesterday I broke wind too. Have you written it down on your list? So there's an option for you if none of those things work from church history. Um, so mock the devil. He can't stand scorn. Another thing would be to do is to anticipate times of temptation and don't yourself, allow yourself to wander into it. Jesus knows that he's being driven out into this, into this wilderness. Um, and if you know there's a situation that leads to sin, don't put yourself in it. Right? It may be being on your phone too late at night. Maybe that's being at a bar by yourself. Maybe that's talking to your family before you have your morning coffee which is one of the things I need to do is have several cups of coffee before I talk to anybody in the morning. Um, But anticipate times of temptation and avoid them or put uh, guardrails in. Lastly, um, we need to realize we're not Jesus. And we're called to reach out when we struggle. We cannot fight temptation alone. Uh, In this church, your community group wants to help you. Your elders want to help you. Your pastors want to help you. A counselor may be helpful. Right? If you're struggling, if you feel like you're at war and you're tired and you're beat up, uh, you are not a freak. You're a human being. You're a Christian. Uh, we all have unique addictions and sins and compulsions that we are wrestling with and fighting against and dealing with. And I am personally glad to talk to you about mine at any point. But we're called to depend on one another, to confess our sins to one another, to strengthen one another. So reach out if you are in a fight. The church itself is meant to be a support group, right? We are one of the original 12-step recovery programs. Uh, We need to be here for each other and not shame or guilt one another. We shouldn't be surprised when someone says, Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm struggling with sin and temptation." Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourselves, lest you too be tempted. And lastly, know you will sin. It's going to happen. But don't wallow in defeat or despair. Get back up and keep fighting. In the words of St. Chumbawamba, I get knocked down, but I got to get up again. You're never going to keep me down. For those of you who do not remember the 90s, that was a song. So uh, you, can, you can look it up later. It's very popular. I'm dating myself. Uh, but here's the deal. Your faith, your salvation, your hope does not depend on your performance during temptation. We are not called to fight because our lives depend on it. Right? That is not the situation at all, in fact. It's easy, to, it's easy to talk about these things and get so kind of focused in on what you need to do. 
uh, in order to succeed. But that's not the point. That's not the situation. We are uh, at war against the world, the flesh, and the devil, not in order to find peace, but because the war has already been won. And these enemies are throwing their last few punches at us until they collapse on the ground forever. The Bible tells us, the Gospels tell us that the fatal blow has already been dealt against the devil. And in fact, you've been enlisted then in a war that has already been won. The temptation of Jesus by the devil, and we see this in Luke, was just a foreshadowing of what comes at the end of the gospel story. This is why Luke writes that the devil departs until an opportune time. He's not done with Jesus, in other words. And he plans to try one more time. He tempts Judas to betray Jesus. He tempts Peter and the other apostles to deny Jesus. And Satan will lead the authorities to have Jesus executed on a cross. And yet, that's all part of God's plan too. That's exactly why Jesus came. Paul writes in Philippians, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Where Israel had failed in the wilderness, Jesus was faithful. He is the better Israel who trusted God, even to the point of death. Jesus was the better Adam, who, rather than listen to the voice of the serpent, stood firm with the word of God, and opens the kingdom then to all who would trust in him. In other words, the cross of Christ is not a failure. The, cro- the, the crucifixion is victory. Jesus' suffering is winning. It is the moment, at that moment, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, bloodied, beaten, suffering, that is the moment when the devil's power was broken, once and for all, his future doom secured. And what we are told is that Jesus lived the perfect life that you ought to live. He did not give in to, even when tempted. And therefore, as a child of God, his record is now yours. So you don't bear any sort of uh, guilt or shame about your failings and struggles. And Jesus died the death we ought to die for our sins and failures. He took the punishment that we deserve for every time we fall. And, and every, all the punishment that humanity deserves for turning away from God, he took that on himself. And it is forgiven. And he rose from the dead and breathed out his spirit upon us to give us new life and power to choose a life of righteousness and holiness and goodness uh, given over to God. So he's empowered us to live that life. And because now you belong to Christ, if you have put your trust in him, if you've enlisted with him, if you've given your allegiance to him, um, he, you belong to his kingdom, and therefore you're called to fight against the devil and his angels too. So we are called to seek to put to death sin in our life and to pursue holiness, not because it makes us right with God or it earns us salvation or whatever, but because we've been given a new identity, because we've been enlisted in Christ's battle. This is just what the people of God do. This is just what the Christian life looks like. We are called to fight against evil and sin personally in our own lives and also in the world in general. But we need to remember especially when you're struggling and you're feeling guilty and you're feeling ashamed and you're feeling like you're just a loser and you can't get it together, um, we need to remember that the battle has already been won for you. 
your sins are forgiven. You have been washed clean. God has put the same spirit that filled Christ within you. Yes, Jesus is our example in temptation, but most importantly, he is the hero that went before us to win the battle. We are just following in his footsteps then until the day that he returns to make all things right and fully and finally destroy the devil and his angels. War is tough, but hang in there. And hang in on to these words from Martin Luther who says, when the devil throws your sins in your faith and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. Let's pray. But Jesus Christ, our champion, our victor, our hero, Lord, we thank you that you have destroyed the power of evil and darkness in the world. Even though when we look around, it feels like evil wins, um, we know the end of the story, Lord. We know that that is not true. We know that you have brought light in darkness, that you have brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light, that you have brought new life and change and power. For the last 2,000 years, you have changed the world through and in the lives of men and women like us. Holy Spirit, empower us to live as your people, to fight against sin, and to know that your victory is assured, and that where you will be, we will be also. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from New City, a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Visit our website at newcitycincy.org for more sermons and resources. That's newcitycincy.org. Thanks for joining us today, and God bless you.